0: if the bible's got you tied in knots if you're burdened with religious thoughts
1: come grab a drink and join the choir it's heretic happy hour
2: well ladies and gentlemen it is time once again for some good old-fashioned theological porn here my <laughs> favorite co host, Keith Giles. Um uh, Author of the Jesus Sun series of books and uh, the brand new Sola Mysterium, uh, celebrating the beautiful uncertainty of everything, available now on Amazon. Go check it out. Uh, joined by my co host, Matt and Katie. Say hello. Hello, I'm Katie
0: Valentine. I did not know it was a theological porn episode, but now that I know, I'm going to reorient. Uh- all my thoughts, but I should always come in with that <laughs> assumption. I don't know why I think that I shouldn't. Yes. Uh, hey, I'm the founder of The Metaphysical Christian, where we talk about woo-woo angels and ascended beings and how that intersects with your faith. And I'm the author of Sex, Slavery, and Self-Control. And I can't wait to get into the topic today.
1: And that makes me Matthew J. Distefano, the author of all theological porn known oh, to man. man. Uh, I am, I'm actually the author of uh, Learning to Float and uh, a bunch of other books. I I would love it if everyone goes and checks out that book with my good friend, Michelle Collins. I'm excited for another episode of Heretic Happy Hour Hmm. in the midst of the film series. But before we get into all of that, did you know, did you know that we have a quiz that you can take and you can find out which historical heretic you are? Do you know where to find that?
2: I think it's a
1: There's it's a quiz. you if you If you quiz. didn't get enough schooling and testing and all that, you can go take a quiz. And Who's find like
0: out. One of the people I could be on the quiz. Well,
1: that's I a It's been a while be. since I went over there.
0: <laughs> I can't remember. You in, could be. In keeping with the last episode, you could end up being Mary Magdalene.
2: I think and that you is won't at least know. one of
0: them. You won't know until you take the quiz. That's
2: right. I think. I, I'm trying to remember. Is, is Michael Cerveris
1: one of them? Maybe um, Gandhi is definitely is. Gandhi, yeah, something Teresa like that. A anyway, Villa. Let's leave it a surprise. I That's mean, right.
2: Y- who knows who you could be? And I and I, I really I like this quiz better than most quizzes that I see online. Like, which Smurf are you? You know, which? Well, which, which Smurf, Smurf are you, Keith? It's I don't obvious. care. Probably <laughs> <laughs> Papa. Right, I'm yeah, Papa obviously. <laughs> obviously I'm Papa Smurf I got the beard right <laughs> uh,
1: well yeah so everyone if you could go go check that out go check out com and take the quiz find out which uh, which heretic you are and then you know because we love you, we'll send you uh, email notifications of <laughs> you right. know, everything that uh, this is all we're trying to do, people. Is we're trying to get you'll your email. never miss another episode, never miss an episode, another. or any exciting things that we're releasing. So it's a win-win for all yeah. of us. And we don't we don't flood your inbox.
0: It's not like every no. day. No, it's when important shit
1: comes available. We sprinkle your inbox. We very just very careful, it. Yes. very selective, very precious. It's not it's, out
0: now porn. It's just like a little salacious <laughs> temptation. <laughs> Once in a while. I should be clear. We should be clear.
2: There will be no porn sent to your email. Yes. (laughs) Results not guaranteed. Not even theological porn. Yes. Oh, my gosh. Well, are we ready to jump into uh, this episode's film? Mm -hmm. film Movie number two. Yeah. Movie number two. And this film, I think we announced it. Hopefully, we remember to announce it last episode. So, our listeners had an opportunity to watch it. But, um, Katie, since this was your choice, do you want to kind of kick us off and e- explain why this was your choice and all that?
0: Sure. So it's The Man from Earth. It's written by Jerome Bixby. Uh, I watched this, I think, on a lark about 10 years ago, a few years after it came out. And I was somewhat captivated by it. I like the kind of low budget, just sit around and talk. It felt, that felt very at home to me. It's, it's technically sci-fi and I'm, uh, love sci-fi but it's not really it's just, it's really philosophical and conversation uh, it made me think about questions kind of in a big way um so spoiler alert y'all if you haven't watched the movie Lots you're going to completely spoil the movie before you go watch it before you listen to the rest of this episode if you don't want it spoiled that being said i think you can actually probably listen to this whole episode and enjoy it and then go back and watch the movie probably um, as well. So it's not a flawless movie, but it asks some theological questions, um, in a, in a good way, I think, in an interesting way, especially for being made for like $200,000. Uh-huh. Just a, a little bit of background about the movie that may be helpful. Um, so yeah, it was written by Jerome Bixby. He died, I want to say in 1998, and he literally, he finished the script on his deathbed and he had worked on wow. it for decades. And so he, he wrote some episodes of the original Star Trek, like Mirror Mirror. He kicked off the whole mirror Mirror universe classic episode. Yeah, yeah, Uh, and a couple of others. And he's a prolific short story writer, so I think it's kind of an interesting story on how this uh, on how the movie got made. So it's not like my kind of like you, Keith, with Mary Magdalene. It's not like my favorite favorite movie, but I thought it was an interesting one for talking about here. And it was fun to rewatch it over. I hadn't seen it in about ten years, so it was fun to rewatch it uh, over the over the weekend. And I introduced my spouse to it, so he got to. Watch it with me to for for his bane or his blessing, so yeah what what about y'all first time first time virgins watching this movie how how was
2: it uh,
1: I uh, was deflowered I, yes i i okay i so I liked where it was going, and then for me i it took a turn that I didn't like, so I liked the setup, I liked the simplicity of like, okay, so if you're gonna make a movie for two hundred thousand dollars. You're gonna sit around a room basically and talk. Like the script better be good. The premise, I mean, it better, it be, there yeah, better I be something. It be yeah, yeah the, there better be something that draws me in and makes me want to watch it for an hour and a half. And there was some of that initially when, when it, when the um, there was a, a phrase that was a playoff C.S. Lewis's liar, Lord, lunatic, mm-hmm. where I, where I went, oh, this is where this is going. And I really did not like it after that. Um, to be honest I with you, see,
0: I don't know this phrase by C.S. Lewis, and I don't remember. Okay, where so, it was in the yeah. so okay, so
1: yeah, since everyone's watched it, we're hoping you watched it. Um, there's a crow Magnum, I think, person who is who lives has been living for 14,000 14, years? years. Yeah, mm-hmm. it's based on a true
2: story. Yeah,
1: based on a true story. Keith is that person. Um, <laughs> yeah, I was going to say, by
2: the way, guys, I need to make an announcement before we go any further. <laughs> I. I'm a 14,000-year-old Jesus caveman. And uh I just, I need <laughs> to say this. I need to let it out. That's our new pillow yeah. right there. <laughs> <laughs>
1: <laughs> and so I okay so this this person lives and and so he has all the ramifications of not dying and knowing everyone that everyone that he knows dies and so he's he's been living through culture and culture and culture okay and so they start asking uh, he's leaving some university I'm guessing where he teaches with uh, a fellow colleagues who are all there and he's disclosing this to them and so they're asking various questions based on their expertise in the field they're in. So there's a biologist, an anthropologist, there's an art history, I think, a professor, and so on. And so he's explaining all this. And so I, one of the other professors says, oh, you're either a caveman, a lunatic, or a liar, oh. which is based on C.S. Lewis's Jesus was either the Lord, what? a lunatic, or a liar. Oh, right. Okay. Uh, a liar, so you got wh- yeah, yeah. to pick one of them. And so, and then I was like, oh, this is going to somehow be about Jesus. And I was so sure turned thing. off by that at that yeah. point. And I was just like, ah, this could have gone kind of a cool way. Because they're asking cool questions where it'd be like, okay, you know, you ask the question, would you like to live forever? And, and most people would be like, oh yeah, I'd like to live forever. Okay. So what are some of the, some of the implications of that? And so it goes through those things and you're like, oh, I didn't think about that. Oh, I didn't think that. Maybe he wouldn't know all this information because he's always a product of his culture and his time. And so that was interesting. But then when it went the route of like he became the inspiration for Jesus, it was just like, uh yeah. Yeah.
0: spoiler alert. I didn't want, That's very spo- yeah.
1: Well, yeah, spoiler alert. <laughs> and then and then having his like like the ending to me. If you told me that, this is going to sound really mean, <laughs> mean to the guy's work. If you told me that the guy wrote the ending on his deathbed and like rushed it, I would be like, okay, that makes yeah, sense. Yeah, like, like, like all of a sudden, like the psychology professor is his son and he drops dead and the guy doesn't even cry and then he leaves. <laughs> I'm just yeah, like... Yeah. Yeah. I found the ending a little uh, too. But you, you killed yeah. your own
2: son and oh well. I'll be back for the funeral. See you guys later. I didn't oh. kill him. I mean, he died of a heart <laughs> yes, attack. He right
1: when he's, he's
2: he's kind of shot, shot he's him Blowing death, his yeah. mind. He's, first of all, he's an old yeah. fat man. He's an old fat man. It was and super recognizable character. Blowing characters. his freaky mind with, a, with then, a
1: known with a known heart disease, and, and I right. couldn't get over the fact right. that that guy was from Office Space. Oh. And so all I thought of <laughs> is, is the he is, to conclusions. He's the jump to conclusions guy. Yes. Oh my
0: gosh. <laughs> <laughs> I didn't catch all that. Yeah.
2: no. it's also funny too that some of the actors are actually from Star Trek. And yeah. and that one of the characters at the end says, I'm gonna go home and watch Star Trek. And I'm like, Yeah, be sure to watch the episode that you're in. Yeah, he plays Kern in TNG. Yeah. Worf's brother. Yeah, you know, there's two of them. The psychologist is was um was he a was he a doctor or was he like a uh, a Ferengi or something? I'm trying to remember who he was. Oh, I don't I don't remember, but and
0: John Billingsley is a really famous character actor, and he played Phlox in uh Enterprise. That was, was the doctor Enterprise.
1: Yeah.
2: That, thank you. Thank you. That's yeah. who it was. Okay.
1: Yeah. I was trying to. Can I? Can I admit something? I've never. I've never watched a single episode of Star Trek or a movie.
2: And the greatest American hero was in it also. Although I thought yeah. he was wasted. His talents were wasted in this. He. He's. He was much better actor than. Uh, than yeah, probably I thought, anybody I thought else his part
0: was too. a little like like every kind of all the characters. It's it set up. I, I felt like it was set up to be a play.
2: Oh, oh no, I was going to say it feels like a stage play, like like a college, it feels like a
0: stage play.
2: Yeah, like a college group got together and mm-hmm. did a little stage play. Yeah, um, yeah. So, there's, yeah, so there,
0: there's some, you know, there's definitely some low budget, um, you know, choices that were made uh, to to kind of make the play the play I call it a play the, to make the movie work. Um, and so yeah, so Keith, what were what? What about you? What was your kind of initial react
2: with deflowering experience with? The I'm, movie? I'm I'm sad to say I really did not like the film. Uh, no, but I, I want to be. I'm trying to be gracious. So like the things that I appreciate about it. In fact, as you were talking about it, Katie, I, I had I realized like if this had been, instead of a movie, if this had been like a podcast where somebody said, hey, what if, and then there was a, like a four or five people sitting around talking back and forth about some of the same exact things, it might have been like, wow, this is interesting. But trying trying to take it seriously as, you know, a guy is after 10 years of knowing all these people, they've known him for 10 years. And he's suddenly retiring and going away. And they come over to his house for going away party. And he says, Oh, by the way, everybody, I'm a 14,000 year old caveman and this isn't a comedy. Like, what? I'm just not believing it. And their reactions to me aren't believable. It felt to me like I was even thinking too, like as I'm watching it too, like I think they asked him in this, in this dialogue as they're sitting around the living room talking, um, I think they must ask him at least four times in different ways. Do you believe in God? Do you believe in religion? Do you have any faith? Do you think there's a God? Like, I'm like, why do you keep asking him the same question in different ways? Over, oh, he's already told you. And then I'm also then thinking, you've known this guy for 10 years and none of you have ever had these conversations, any kind of similar conversation at all. Like, If I know someone for 10 years, I kind of already know where they're at on most basic things like this. Oh, I will say that's very realistic to a college campus setting.
0: Okay, <laughs> well, that's uh, I'm not sure not that unless you're in the theology department.
1: Yeah. Well, then why then why does he feel obligated to talk to them and tell them? I'm assuming he doesn't do this every ten years with everyone he meets. No, no, it's well, so,
2: the first time he's ever yeah. tried to do. He said he wanted to say goodbye as himself. Yeah. So, so part it, of the premise like, is the like he time. doesn't. Yeah, part of the premise, just for
0: for listeners, in case you haven't seen it, is that he doesn't age. Like his his aging stopped about age 35 or 40. And so he moves on about every 10 years when people notice that he doesn't start to age. Right. Um, So I definitely agree. Like those, I think all those flaws are in there. And some of the conversation felt a little artificial. I think The part that I really enjoyed about the movie, I I really like movies and I, I read and watch a lot of like vampire and this kind of any, yeah. any kind of trope that where someone lives a long time and they have a different perspective, I just really enjoy that kind of genre. So what yeah. I loved about this, because my spouse also, when we took a walk after the movie, he was like, there would totally be pictures of him from other yearbooks and stuff. Yes. <laughs> and I was like, right, but the movie's not about that. The movie is about asking you to suspend your disbelief about all that stuff and get into the topics. Yeah, yeah. And so that's like the part of the movie that I actually, um, that I actually appreciated. And the other part was, I, I think they often, movies, books, fiction, that has someone that lives for a really long time makes them almost omniscient.
1: Uh-huh. It makes
0: them, they, they make them into a superhero. And he's very clear to say, I'm one person with one perspective with one life. And I can't yes. ever know more than the experts in the field around me. I can know a lot, but I can't, he was like, I, I, I'm not omniscient. And 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 he makes a point to say, I keep on making the same mistakes over and over again, no matter how long I've lived. And I found that to be very true to the human experience. Um, And it reminded me of when Paul says, you know, I do the things I don't want to do, and I don't do the things I want to do. Yeah, the living forever is no guarantee that you become
2: smarter. Right, and then become wiser. Yeah, and obviously the the part the parts of the film. That are probably going to be most interesting to um, listeners is, is when they get to the part about sort of this the big shock aha revelation even even more shocking than I'm a fourteen thousand year old caveman oh it do, it, it doesn't stop there uh, and that he met Buddha and all this other stuff uh, I, like when he when he, okay I'm going to say when he when he started to say the thing about meeting Buddha I I, I turned to Wendy and I said this is like Forrest Gump. Is it going to turn into like? And then no. I met Kennedy, and then I met Nixon, and then I was there in World War I, and, and then World I was War II, at Watergate, <laughs> and I was at Watergate. Like, and I met Elvis, and I was I was a roadie for Elvis, and then like, and thankfully, thank God, it did not go there. But but in a way, it kind of did. It's sort of like, okay, just because you have lived a long time, it doesn't. It, it's just odd that you would happen to be in the right place at the right time in these right. I mean, the other other thing I thought too was like. Um, one easy way he could have totally sold what he was saying to these to his friends sitting there is like to just start breaking out, uh, you know, like just popcorn style, like, you know, boom, 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 like talk, say something in German and Aramaic, in Greek, in Latin, in French, in Italian, in German, things that he, languages he would have had to have learned and have spoken for decades in order to survive as long as he has. That would have sold the deal like that. Like, who can do that? Who can speak in Aramaic and Latin and Greek and French and German and Italian and Chinese and all these other languages? That he, again, he would have had to have been proficient in. And at no point, he doesn't even have an accent. Like, I'm just yeah, I just think you're to...
1: supposed to you're supposed to suspend your disbelief on on the plot. I holes. know
2: that's my problem. I'm sorry that that
0: <laughs> well, you are. But he's also not Superman. You you do forget languages. You actually don't retain those. Like his human brain is still a human brain, so he's not going to. Re- if he knew a language two thousand years ago, he's not going to remember it. And they ask him like, "Do you remember your original language?" He's like, "Oh, like a few words."
1: Yeah,
0: right. And so you like just because he acquired a language, which
1: is true. I I, I was yeah. I mean, I was pro- fairly proficient in Spanish, and now I'm I speak but you like, could like say a kindergarten levels.
2: You could well, still sure. say a few things, but it's
1: gone down from like. Probably like a sixth or seventh grade reading level to like a kindergarten reading level. Right, right, okay,
2: all right. Anyway, so but then then the big the big aha moment comes when he basically says that uh, he happened to be hanging around in Jerusalem the first century and decided to bring the teachings of the Buddha to a handful of fishermen in uh, Jerusalem, well, yeah. and then and it is a the next protest thing,
0: against the Roman Empire that had become a killing machine.
2: Right. Now that part I liked. That yeah, part it was I like, really appreciated that. That was cool. And, and I will say, yes, there were plenty of things that he did say that I thought, well, that's true. Um, like, like when he was talking about the ways in which later on, um, you know, church and religious leaders, uh, mythologized things and, and twisted things for their own advantage to have power and control over people, right? Um, focusing on sin and sacraments and all this stuff. And I was like, yep. Yeah, yeah, that that part I agree with. So there's plenty of stuff that was in there that I was like, well, you got that right. Um, so, I mean, there, there, there's, I guess, plenty of stuff that I think our listeners, um, when they get to that part of it, and with discussions about Christianity and religion and faith and um, how it's been politicized and mytholog- mythologized and uh, weaponized and all that kind of stuff, I think people would go, oh, yeah, 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 I, I can uh, agree with some of that.
1: Yeah, and I, I do like the question. Again, I didn't hate everything about the film. Don't get me wrong. I, I liked the direction it's going. I can see why Katie picked it um, because it it should start conversations. I like, um, it kind of parallels with something and I'm only pulling this together because our next film will be my choice, which will be from, of course, Tolkien. Uh, in in Middle Earth, the elves are said to have the curse or the men have the um, like the blessing of dying. And so we think of, we think of that as like kind of counterintuitive but i think what this film and you know if we you know explore you know the elves who are basically immortal in middle earth if you are living 14,000 years everyone you know and love dies in front of you or you just bail on him like he did like you know it's revealed that you know one of the professors there is his son and he, so he basically he has to become he either has to endure watching everyone he loves die, or he bails on them. And so, would you want to live forever? Uh, you know, we have it in our notes, Katie. I think you put it in there, and I, I said not unless everyone else joins me because I don't want that burden. I don't want that. It's like a curse to to you know to live that long. So I think that opens up a very interesting thought experiment of. I I would I would hate to have to endure all of that on my own and be forced to live a life where you either go through excruciating pain or you shut everything off and just shove shit down. Which, as men, that's what we're good at. So you know, maybe it wouldn't be too bad of a problem.
2: (laughs) Well, I thought like Highlander does that, doesn't Highlander? That's wasn't that one of the the plots of the movie Highlander where he's eternal, he's he's been alive since you know ancient times and he also keeps reinventing himself and his wives they die and he has to watch they get old and die and he stays young and all that so i mean we've seen that kind of thing dealt with before uh, it is an interesting question you know about living forever and stuff again i i can't help you know i i, I just thinking about the movie i can't help like thinking of, in fact to be honest i couldn't sleep last night because i was this i was running this over in my head like this movie like trying to fix it, or change it, like, oh, why didn't they do this, or shouldn't, like, like I would have, okay, so, if, if this older um, professor who's the psychiatrist, slash psychologist, they can't make up their mind, but anyway, he's a psychologist, psychiatrist, character, if this is his son, and they teach at the same university, then it's kind of like, well, obviously he chose that university because I mean it's not randomly accidental that oh look at that, there's one of my kids. Like it feels like he would have gone there specifically to be near his son and have a connection and relationship with his son. That that, that was part of the choice of being at that particular school. And yes, but I don't feel Yeah, I think that's a kind of an open question in the movie. Yeah, but I don't feel I mean I would've I guess what I'm saying is I would have appreciated Uh, I mean, the only tenderness you get is when he runs, when he finds out that the guy's wife died, he runs out into the, you know, parking lot or whatever and and says, hey, I just, I didn't know about Mary, your wife. I'm so sorry. You know, that was nice. And then he takes the gun away from him. Like, that was kind of cool. But that's the only amount of sort of like any amount of tenderness or anything at all that he cares about this person. Oh yeah
0: um, like i I didn't get the feeling i mean, I got the feeling towards the end that he cares about him, but um definitely definitely not i don't I don't care about that as a watcher, actually <laughs> like I yeah. was, I'm in it for the ideas, like I don't care about their human relationships,
1: but that would that would that would play into the fact that he's been living for fourteen thousand years, and yeah. after that long, you wouldn't he's learned huh? I, I think there is a point to the film about like you would learn to detach yes. from the things you love. Because yes. they all end up dying. So after, I mean, I, maybe his first wife or whatever, like he mourned <laughs> her death in the second and third and fourth. And then it's like, well, fuck, I'm not, I'm not getting close to people. Right.
2: Yes. I, I, I understand that. Yes. And I think the film has a challenge, which they, which they tried to overcome. in that, cause, cause if, if that's all they showed you about the character, I think you would be like, what a dick. Right, you—it's hard to emotionally connect to a character who is emotionally distant to his own children and, and all that. So that's—I think this is the reason why there's a scene that happens that otherwise is sort of like, why is that in there? When he gets the phone call and it's the uh, student who's crying because her, her her parents are sick or something, and and she has to go to the hospital and she's worried about whether or not she passed the test. And you can see that she got a D, and he lies and said you got it, you passed. We got a C plus, plus so yeah. that's like oh, see, see, he's really a nice guy. That's the only reason for that scene to be in the film, because everything else you're about to see is him emotionally detaching himself from all the wives and children that he's had, and why he's moved on.
1: But and, I think that would be accurate.
2: Yeah, yeah, yeah. You know i saying yeah. that that's why you need a scene like that. Otherwise, the audience is going to be like, "What a dick." Oh, that's oh. So I'm
0: like, I'm kind of wondering. I'm just, I'm just curious about like. The- <laughs> The gender nature of watching this show, of watching this movie, because I'm like, I watch show, I watch movies about men who are dicks all the time. <laughs> <laughs> most superhero movies, yes. men are yes. dicks. That's most, true. Uh, most action movies, men are dicks. And they're way worse dicks than this guy. He's just a little emotionally right. detached. I can deal with that. <laughs> not a problem <laughs> not a problem most of my life is spent around men who are being dicks not yes. you guys but you know like just in general so <laughs> the, last, the last problem. couple of years have
1: been good katie <laughs> <Yes. A
0: minute>. <laughs> <laughs> that's not true but actually most most men in my life are really awesome but you know what i mean like we're right we're we're yeah, around people no, I who I, are emotionally traumatized and, and dicks all the time yes well i'm um, yeah, well, let's talk about some of the ideas of the movie. So we, I think we've kind of, you know, analyzed and I am in total agreement. Like there's 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 kind of flaws, there's low budgetness um, in this movie and kind of some flaws. Um, and I do imagine it, like imagining it as a play is super interesting to me. But some of the ideas I think that are that are brought forward are um, kind of this idea of like, what is it to live forever? Is that a price that anyone would want to pay? And then I know we've talked about on, on episodes here, on podcast episodes, um, does it make a difference if Jesus... Um, didn't die on the cross? Does it make a difference if, um, if Jesus isn't the the creation myth that we've been told that Jesus is? Um, does that make a difference to our kind of personal faith? Does that make a difference to, would that make a difference? Um, and then I, I think it's interesting to think about the idea of like Jesus going to India, coming back, because that's a popular myth I hear all the time, yes. and this movie really yes. capitalized that on a way that yes. I think is super interesting and super troubling. And Thank so like, you. Does that make Let's talk difference? about
2: this because I agree with you. I, I am so sick of it. In fact, actually, I think I'm going back. We had an episode where Jamal brought this up about, oh, there's a guy and he went to a a, a monastery and found a book or scroll or something that talked about Jesus and this is proof. And the, so I, I I looked it up and I'm like, oh no, this is has been debunked. Like in 1940, it's a complete fabrication. It's total bullshit. Never happened. Sold a lot of books for that guy, though. Great idea. But yeah, but yet the myth persists. And so why uh, is that myth sexy? Why is that myth sexy that
0: Jesus learns all of his teachings, not from Judaism, but from India?
2: Well, to me, it feels like it's a way of trying to explain something that lots of people have noticed. That, hey, you know, uh, here's these teachings of the Buddha, right, that seem really similar to things that Jesus says. And to me, it feels like a way of reconciling that, like, wow. So, you know, if if Buddha said this like four or 500 years before Jesus in a completely different place, and then Jesus seems to be saying very similar things. um, And if you couple that with the fact, and and the movie brings this out too, that there's this gap uh in the Gospels between the birth of Jesus and the ministry of Jesus. Like, well, what was he doing in the middle there? So those two things together seem to be like, well, um
1: He must he have must, went to India. <laughs>
2: he must have traveled to India as a teenager and joined a Buddhist um, you know, um monastery and studied the teachings of the Buddha and then brought it back, you know, uh and and, and retooled it, you know, in it for a Judaism, uh a Jewish audience. So but I think that's unnecessary, personally. Like, when I, when I, I, so I guess I think that's where it probably comes from. But, um, I also, because I was going down the rabbit hole a while back to try to kind of like look at this myself, too. I, I found, I wrote a blog post on this that, um, I mean, in the first century, there was something called the Silk Road. There was a lot of trading between Asia and, uh, cultures that were very well, uh, who understood Buddhism and the teachings of the Buddha um, they were going back and forth into Rome, into Jerusalem. Um, and so it's, it, it's not unusual to think that they were trading in more than just spices, um, that they might have have conversations and shared ideas and concepts, um, that would have flowed just as freely as, you know, the things on the trade route. So it's, I don't think we need to come up with some kind of an idea. Not only that, I, I don't know why it's impossible to think, That Jesus couldn't have just, you know, had an original thought, (laughs) or or come upon these teachings on his own, uh, had the same revelations that Buddha did, but in a different place. uh, That they don't have to have copied from each other's notes to have arrived at some of the same conclusions. But
1: yeah, it seems it seems kind of. I mean, uh, I don't want to discredit people's intellect, but it seems kind of lazy to me. And like if you if you and kind of is there some anti-Semitism there? Because it seems like like in mystical Judaism, in rabbinic Judaism, Jesus fits kind of right in there, right? Like it's not like, I think we have a distorted view and picture of what Judaism is. We've Mm -hmm. discussed it a lot on this show. And Judaism, like any faith, is not like this monovocal, this is Judaism. And and you just, (laughs) you know, like it's all (laughs) fundamentalist, rigid, law-based, God is angry. Yahweh is going to kill everyone. It's like okay, there are those stories, but but those stories are included for a variety of reasons, and 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 the interpretations of those are as as numerous or even more numerous than the amount of Jews on the on the earth. Like they have a lot yes. of interpretations, and that's what you know uh, Midrash is. They're they're discussing all these things, and so when when I study Jesus' teachings in life, it's like yes, there are a lot of similarities between Buddhism and Jesus. However, there's a lot of, like in all the mystical traditions, Islam, you know, Sufism, Hinduism, Buddhism, mystical understanding of Judaism, mystical understanding of Christianity, all those thoughts are in all of them. So why do we need Jesus traveling thousands of miles to go sit with Buddha under a Bodhi tree and then come, you know, I know the time difference, but we don't need that. Jesus fits right into his rabbinic tradition within Judaism itself.
0: Yeah, and so I think that the anti-Judaism is there, and I I find it present in the a little more obliquely than was present, like in the Mary Magdalene movie. But they're both kind of cut from the same cloth. Of it's it's a generally accepted thing to do when we're talking about the person of Jesus within Christianity, Um, and it's just it's part of the fabric of of a lot of how Christianity has been built. I mean, I think we talked. I know I mentioned this. I can't. I think when we were doing our Easter. Episode maybe this maybe just been for the patrons. So a little plug for the patron group. Um <laughs> I think when Matt and Derek and I were talking about Easter, one of the reasons Christians eat ham on Easter is because it's it's a way to say we're not Jewish.
2: Yeah. Like, F you. you know, yeah,
0: yeah. Right. <laughs> F- like look what we can do. Right? So this is kind of the built free. into Christianity. Um in such a way, but I, I did find it was a little bit of lazy writing and a, and a generalized statement when he was like, Oh, the Old Testament is just this, and then the the parts of the new parts of the New Testament where they actually get my teachings are, are really oh, cool. They're really yes. Buddhist.
2: Right? That's right. And so again, and, That's and right. like Matt,
0: I find that unnecessary. Um that that we can root Jesus within his own Jewish context. Um, and so I find it interesting I, I just find it interesting and and harmful, I guess, over and over again in so many Cultural depictions of Jesus in his ancient context is that they have to they try to separate him from Jewishness. So, you know, in scholarship after post World War II and the the horrors of the Holocaust woke scholars up to the ways that they were replicating this anti Judaism over and over and over. So, there's been a lot of work in scholarship to fix that, and we're not all the way there yet. Um, it, It still happens all the time. So, I think that's an interesting kind of part of the movie um you know the parallels between jesus and buddha um i find just really interesting and I, for a while i used for a devotional the um there was a parallel sayings book
1: and i used borg?
0: that yeah by borg was one of the editors and i oh, used yeah. that kind of as a as a devotional and i found buddhism to probably be my closest ally mm-hmm. in my in my christian journey um and so i So there's parts of it that I loved and then parts of it that were challenging.
2: Yeah. Uh, I I wanted to also say, though, there were, there were some things that were said in the film too that I felt like the scholarship was suspicious (laughs) or um, just like not, or, or just unnecessarily odd. So the two things that jumped to my mind are, one, his comment that they didn't use nails; they just tied him with ropes. I'm like, what are you talking about? There's so much evidence that Romans nailed everybody to a crosses. Like, why is that? Why did you need to pull that out no, detail? No, there is there? some truth to that.
0: Not every that they would use ropes commonly and not nails. I think both methods
2: were used. Right. I well. I, I, so okay, I agree. But it's like he acts as if that he's he, the way he says it is like, oh, nails and crowns of thorns make for good drama or something, but they just tied me there. As if, oh, that's a myth that they Romans use nails. I'm like, what the hell? That's so dumb. And then um and then the other thing is when he talks about his name, you know, Jesus. Did you use the name Jesus? No, I used my name John, which was, you know, Johannine, and Johannine got turned in like, No, Jesus is Joshua. It's Josh. It's Joshua, it's Joshua, it's it's not John. It's he got Joshua there eventually, but I found that a little unnecessary too. That's what I'm saying is like yeah. why if you're going to show off that oh it's not Jesus it was I used the name then say Joshua because Although that's I what think, it is why do, why do you so. act as if you're teaching us that oh no Jesus backs up to a misunderstanding of the name of John like what
0: so i think that that's actually I, if i'm in the brain of the writer which i'm not so i yeah I, I found i agree with you i found that a little unnecessary but I think it's um, capitalizing on the the thought that John the Baptist and the Jesus movement were close, either closely allied or perhaps one and the same, and yeah. that there's some slippage between John the Baptist and Jesus.
2: Yeah, as a I as
0: guess. a story, like or were they the same historical person? That's right. what I actually kind of took away from that. Okay. Well, I, but I, I think no, it's you know, a, not necessary. Yeah.
2: Yeah what I, what I have heard. I've never, I don't think, honestly, I've ever heard a, a scholar say that they genuinely think there's any reason that Jesus or, and John the Baptist were the same person. But I have heard scholarship that I think is, you know, compelling or at least interesting that, that Jesus was a direct disciple of John the Baptist and that after John the Baptist was beheaded, Jesus kind of took the mantle. Um, and the, and you even see some evidence of that in the gospels where basically, John's disciples kind of become Jesus' disciples, right? They they were following John the Baptist, now they follow Jesus. Um the fact that Jesus is baptized by John could also be an example of him being baptized by John and therefore being becoming a disciple of John. Um so I think I think there's something to that. That's interesting. This idea that Jesus was initially a, a follower of John the Baptist and then carried the, carried the torch after that. That's interesting. Well,
0: you know, another thing we see in the movie is that there's a, the reaction of the art historian is really, really strong. That like she's a devout Christian. Um, and she's, she responds very poorly to this idea that he could be Jesus and she makes him kind of, um, recant a little oh. bit. Um, <laughs> because he cares for her, he, he does, uh, from time to time throughout this revelation. Um, but I think it may be interesting to talk about, like, d- what kind of difference would, let's suppose, kind of suspend our disbelief and suppose that this story is true. What difference? would it make in our personal journeys? What difference would it make? You know, for listeners, I'm really curious for you guys, if you found out that Jesus was not a divine savior, if you could just sort of found out without a doubt that Jesus is not a kind of this divine being, but solely human, a special human, but solely human. And his real purpose was teaching. It doesn't have anything to do with salvation. So we've talked about those ideas kind of compartmentalized. Um, for sure, you know, in, in different episodes. So I'm kind of curious to revisit that here. So in this in this kind of fictional world, would it make a difference? What would, what would be the impact?
1: I would say there'd be, they would be impactful, but probably not for the same reasons most, I don't know, I don't, want, I don't want to say most of our listeners, but most Christians would say, like, I don't think of Jesus as exclusive, like the exclusive divine only son of God. Any, any difference than us. Now, if Jesus was solely human and there's no divinity within Jesus, I would say that then means there's no divinity within us. And so that would impact me and I would become like an atheistic naturalist, you know, in my philosophy. And, uh, I would have less hope of like a happy ending. Posthumously, I suppose <laughs> um but I don't think it would impact my ethics or morals and the way I treat others so but but I would have less I would have less peace, but only because then I would say, well i'm not i'm I'm just atoms and cells, and I will die, and my consciousness will die with my body um but not because. Jesus is not the son of God or divine, but because, you know, if, if Jesus isn't, then I'm not. And and if Jesus is, then I am, you know? So does that make sense? Like, I I don't see Jesus as the only, as the only divine figure. I don't see Jesus any different than the rest of us.
2: Yeah. I think, I think, first of all, it's a great question to ask. And it's definitely a question that I'm sure our listeners, um, if they haven't wrestled with it yet, They're about to, because we're, because we're going there. We're Um, forcing them. But it's a great question to say, to ask, like, you know, would it make, what kind of an impact would it make? What kind of difference would it make if, if you could know for a fact that Jesus was just a guy and the point was just teaching, not, you know, for God, for God in the flesh to die on a cross as the ultimate sacrifice, whatever. So uh, it's a good question because it's sort of like, well, it depends on who you are. Because to me, it's not a huge thing because I I think I've processed to the point where I'm kind of that's kind of where I am like I kind of feel like uh, I kind of turn the corner where I personally do feel like that. So so that question of someone just asked me this a couple of weeks ago, like, is Jesus God? And I was like, in the same way that you and I are, you know, like, so this idea that Jesus is a, a sort of a special kind of God in the flesh, kind of a thing. Uh, I've moved away from that to being more like, no, we all are God. God we are all in Christ. Christ is in all. It's impossible to, to live and be alive and exist and not be connected to God, because that's you know that I, I kind of am moving into this idea of like, there's one one consciousness that is God, and we all share in this sort of collective uh, consciousness as expressions of God in in our physical form. So for me, this idea is like, well, yeah, um, I'm, I'm totally fine with that. But, you know, me 20 years ago, Southern Baptist, you know, Christian Keith, uh, would have freaked out and would have been like, oh, hell no. This is heresy and wrong and screwy and this is demonic. And, you know, or like you see the character in the film, right? This woman is having a, a, an emotional, psychological meltdown. But she keeps saying, you're not Jesus. You're not Jesus. And you can see, like, she is really, this is really rocking her world. But this is exactly the kind of thing that we all go through if we're going through our deconstruction. I mean, the first time I ever, I was reading a Marcus Borg book, right? And and Marcus Borg in one of his books started to push me in this direction before I was really ready for it. And it scared the hell out of me. I was like, whoa, what, what if this is true? What if? What if Jesus is no more divine than I am or anyone else is. Um, What if he's just like us, right? And that's, it's a very scary thing to consider if all your life you've built your whole identity and faith on the idea that, oh no, he is unique and different and uh, in ways that we're not.
0: So So I I think I have a, a, maybe a slightly, but very only slightly higher Christology um, so for me, I think the difference would be, you know, if I if I could know definitively that Jesus was really a fourteen thousand year old Cro Magnon <laughs> man, as I say, it is kind of fun to just say, it Jesus out well. was a caveman, right? <laughs> it feels like a bad sitcom when I say it it does. Like that. But if I if I knew that definitively and that the the teachings were only teachings and they're powerful teachings, I would definitely withdraw completely from institutionalism. Right. And I'm, I'm right now part of Institute. I mean, I'm part of institutionalized yeah. religion, right? Maybe a, that's
2: partially why I have, because yeah, I, I yeah, have, right? So I have turned that corner and I'm like, I don't see a lot of value in that yeah.
0: anymore. Well, I don't think, so I don't think there's a, for me, there's not a corner to turn. There's questions to ask.
2: Uh huh.
0: So I don't like, uh, there's no goal here yeah. uh, for for me um uh, around it but you know if if i knew that to be true i would i would definitely withdraw from kind of any kind of institutionalism um and i would probably be a i would probably be an unhappy secular humanist i think is, is probably what i would uh,
2: what i would be um so where so are I, you on this or, yeah, where do land so on
0: this you know it's interesting because in my kind of in my metaphysical work i've been encouraged to think of myself as a coworker with Jesus. Um, but I definitely see Jesus like kind of the, in the woo-woo world, we use the term like ascended beings a lot. And then ascended being like someone, someone who's maybe doesn't need to become reincarnated again. Um, and so I think but Jesus to me is more than an ascended being. He's, he's not like first among equals. Um the christ spirit is 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 more elevated i guess than that in my own uh my own theology, yet it's the humanness of Jesus that i really um am passionate about i guess that Jesus has presented in the new testament um who who cared so much about the physical lives of those you know in his sphere um, and so i I'm not quite comfortable saying Jesus was just a guy who got a lot of things right, like there's something a little more. Um, in there for me. Um, and I'm not, I'm not sure quite of the words for that, uh, right now.
1: Yeah.
2: And that's fair. I mean, I think, um, I've gone back and forth on it personally, um, a whole lot. And it's almost like depending on the day you ask me the question, I might have a different answer on it. Yeah. Because I, I so, so what's been helpful for me is also, and whether it's right or wrong or good or bad, I don't know. But what's helped me, I think, is I've started moving, I sort of think of Jesus as the guy. Jesus is the guy who I think had got a lot of things right, who had revelation, who had, uh, just like Buddha did, just like Black Elk, just like Rumi, just like many other people have throughout history, many mystics, many um, people who have had sort of spiritual revelation or realizations and stuff. So so I definitely, I, I see Jesus as that, but then I see Christ as something transcending that. So I used to use language like that I'm connecting to Jesus, right? And sort of in my own spiritual experience today. But now I think that it's more accurate, at least in the way I conceive of it, that I'm not really having any kind of connection with Jesus, the carpenter from Nazareth. That I am having a spiritual connection and experiences with Christ, and that the Christ is more of like this sort of spiritual reality that I think Jesus definitely embodied, and I would even argue in, that Jesus embodied it in a way that is special or unique or and and exceptional, much more than I that I have or could. So, so on one level, it's sort of like to say, like you know. It's, I think it's wrong to have this idea like, oh, Jesus was just a man. Well, just a man any more than Mother Teresa was just a woman, or you know what I mean? Like, there's lots of people who are, yeah, they're just people, but some people are, like, exceptional. are like, man, wow. I, I don't know that I could ever reach these levels uh, of love or compassion or insight or wisdom that that some people have, and so I wouldn't say Jesus is just a person, just a man, just a human being. Uh, in sort of a diminishing way, I would say, well, no, he's an exceptional person. Uh, but for me, anyway, it's been helpful to to draw a distinction between Jesus and Christ. Like Richard Rowe always says, you know, Christ is not Jesus' last name. And the more I've sort of been able to approach Jesus in that way and Christ in a different way, at least that's where I am today. That's where I, how I approach it today.
1: Yeah, I think of, um, I think of Jesus as one who leaned into his Christ nature probably better than anyone. Just in this, but, but in a similar way that the Buddha leaned into his Buddha nature better than anyone. And in the Mahayana tradition in Buddhism, um, you know, we have bodhisattvas, which are those who are kind of people who who aid in helping others realize their own enlightenment. And I see Jesus as a figure like that, but we are all in, I mean, in that tradition, we're all thought of as little Buddhas and little Christs. Yeah. Yeah. And so we all have the capability and the um, potential to lean into our Christ nature in the way that Jesus did. And, if, you know, for me, I see it as an ongoing process. It sort of raises the question of, like, did Jesus always lean into his Christ nature? And I would yeah. probably suggest as a 14-year-old kid with hormones, he probably told his mom to fuck off. I don't know. <laughs> I mean, things like that. Like, or muttered shit under his breath. or Yeah. yeah. So, but that Jesus Especially on that
0: long trip to India. Oh, yeah, dude. Man.
1: Shit. Lister's on his feet, hungry. <laughs> right? Come on. What, are we going to yeah. tell you there yet? <laughs> he hasn't he hasn't had any baklava for a while or whatever. This camel um, really stinks. Exactly. <laughs> but but I don't need that Jesus. I don't need um yeah. sanitary Jesus. Yeah, you know and I, I don't right. I don't know what good that I mean a sanitary life is a boring life anyway. So uh, the the docetic Jesus of most uh, most Christianity I was familiar with where Jesus is like Fully human, but not really. You know, kind, you know, kind of. Yeah. But, you know, they 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 wouldn't put it in those words because that's technically a heresy. But it's they act as if the uh, it's like a whitewashed Jesus, and that Jesus to me is there's no there's there's nothing there. I mean, I like the I like the idea of a Jesus that grows and matures and um comes to the realization of who he is in Christ. You know, it's not it's not something we we think about in the church like. Jesus realizing he's Christ, he coming is. into his understanding of Christ. And, and if he calls us brothers and sisters, why can we not come into our realization of Christ? Yeah. yeah. Own, you know, the Christ in us.
2: And see, this is a great point. Um, there is, first of all, stuff that, again, most most people from the pulp pastors from the pulpit will ignore. I've never heard in, a life, in my life a sermon on the passages in the Gospels that talk about Jesus Growing and maturing in his faith, right? Like, we want a Jesus that is from, from the infant baby Jesus. He is fully God, fully Christ, and he knows who he is, and he has all these. That's, you know, it's like, rather than, we're very, it seems like we're very uncomfortable with the idea that, that it took a while for Jesus himself to figure out and to come into his sonship or Christ like, Christ likeness. Because again, there is a progression Bar Ehrman has done a lot of written some great books on this, but there's there's an obvious progression of Christology from from the Gospel of Mark and then going into Matthew and certainly by the time you get to John, even in the writings of Paul, Jesus goes from being the Messiah to the Son of God to God to the One that created everything <laughs> from the beginning who was with God and was God and one who fills everything in every way, but that that later language of Jesus being the Word made flesh, or being the you know the, the Christ who fills everything in every way, who is all and is in all and all that—that that is an in mark. Like you, that took a time, That took a while for those concepts to progress, even within Christianity. And then again, we also can see plenty of evidence that that Jesus' own awareness of the Christ in Himself was something that took time for Him to have an awareness of. There, again, there's also this idea, and I'm very grateful Kenneth Tanner has talked about, about this quite a bit. You know, and so a lot of early Christian thinking and, uh, and writing was the idea that um, Jesus became Christ at either uh the baptism, when the Spirit of God, you know, the dove came on him, and that's when he became the Son of God, or the idea that resurrection, that wasn't until he was resurrected that God made Jesus Christ. Um that's the language that's used. Um and so it's it's it isn't the idea that Jesus was always forever Christ, that he became or moved into or matured into uh a sort of a Christ consciousness or Christ awareness or Christ identity. And again, all these things are in the New Testament. You can and and, and early Christian writing. So this isn't I know it sounds heretical to a lot of us because a lot of this has been decided now, but the language of it and the, the, the progression of it is there. It's, the evidence for it is right there.
0: Yeah, I mean, I would say, so in my, in my circles, I hear Christ consciousness a lot, and I confess I never really know what it means. What does that mean?
1: What I don't know what, what a what lot Christ of the Christ metaphysical things mean, like <laughs> if you're going to raise your consciousness or your so vibration. vibration or, uh, I, never yes. know, I never know what any of that vibration, shit Vibration,
0: I can explain. Christ consciousness, though, people use it all the time, but I never actually hear it defined.
1: Yeah, I like, think it's. Well, I think it means it being mean? less of a dick.
0: <laughs> just doesn't it mean.
2: I mean, so I don't know. I think we all probably you'd have to ask each person who's using it, in what way they they intend it. Like, I guess when I think of it, the way I just used it, I'm thinking of it as an awareness of the Christ that has always been in you. But but we're not always aware of it, you know. And I think I, that's what I'm saying is like I don't know that Jesus. It's not that Jesus wasn't always Christ, but but I think he reached a place where he became conscious of it or aware of it while alive. Yes, while
0: alive. Okay. Yes. That that yeah that makes that makes some sense to me um, more than I kind of hear. I, I think a lot of people use Christ consciousness as like an overarching feeling quite often, but not always defining kind of what that means or or how to how to how to be in that so and i'm very comfortable with the mystery yeah oh yeah yeah you know, with the mystery of it all too and so kind of thinking you know in the idea uh, in the ideas of the movie of the film like i love it that it's kind of brought us to this location um and thinking about these big ideas but um you know i'm like was can that was this individual did he reach this christ consciousness
2: doesn't seem like he did in the movie. <laughs> I don't, think so.
1: I don't <laughs> Not in the movie. Not in the movie. Yeah. I don't think so. No, he, he seems, seems too to close. He seemed too closed off also.
0: Yeah. That's the to move too and, often. But.
1: And we, which we've talked about, like I, I would understand, but um, yeah. he. I mean, for all of the dissection of the movie that we did in the first 15 or 20 minutes, like I think this film obviously led to a good discussion, which is probably the point of the film. I I yeah I'm just <laughs> guessing I'm just guessing like
2: <laughs> it's a good conversation. I man.
1: mean, Katie, you put in the notes here what they had eight days of rehearsing. Yes. Any anyone who's you know anyone who's created anything knows that there's gonna be holes, there's gonna be plot holes, there's gonna be all that, but I think that that was allowable for the discussion that they wanted people to have.
0: Yeah, I so I think it's actually an extraordinary piece of writing. Um like I said it's not flawless and we can um we can we can find all the flaws in it and there are many. Um but it's the the thought-provoking way to me of seeing one man's life over 14,000 years who's not the hero and not the anti-hero. He's just a person who's lived and seen some stuff. I love. Um there's some clunky dialogue. There's the the guy that's the great American hero um could have been written much better. Like, like all of that's undoubtedly true. However, if you like this movie, there's a sequel, not written by Jerome Bixby uh, because he, he had died, uh, but written by, by people that uh, like the movie. So the movie is actually like this kind of underground cult classic there are people who are fanatical about it, who just love, love, love this movie. So they finally made a sequel. I saw it right somewhere in the middle of the pandemic when I was still in California. I watched it. And it's called The Man from Earth Holocene. I actually really recommend it. I, I liked it as much or more um, than the first one. And in the sequel, it also has Vanessa Williams. And it also has Michael Dorn, who played Worf. You cannot lose by watching the sequel. You're Star Trek fan,
2: you'll
1: love it. It's the, same, it's the same guy, the same actor? Yeah. Yeah. And ha- has he aged?
0: That yes, question yeah, exactly. shall be answered in, in the sequel. I <laughs> shall not. I
1: saw, the trailer, I saw the trailer and he's aged a little bit. Yeah. Oh, this motherfucker's old. What happened? <laughs> I know. It's why it's why you can't make any
0: more Buffies because the guy that plays <laughs> <No>. Angel
1: is <laughs> clearly not anymore. Yeah. David Moriarty. Like, wait yeah. a second. Yeah.
2: So I would also say, though, um, this film reminded me of a movie that I liked a whole lot better that's also a science fiction film. And it's also a, a film made on a low budget. Uh, that's that all takes place in a single house with a like a cast of like ten to fifteen, not fifteen, maybe ten or twelve different characters who come for a dinner party, and some crazy Twilight Zoney kind of things happen. It's called Coherence, and I love that movie. That movie is awesome. And the cool thing about that movie that I one of the reasons it drew me to even watch the film I was reading something about the way the director for Coherence handled the dialogue. And what he did was he got these different actors again, like ten or eleven actors. He gave them each index cards with their character, who their character was, all about their character. And for each scene, would hand them a handful of like of cards of certain things they needed to say, but not where to say them. There was no script, and so they would. Do, he would just say action, and then people sitting around the table having you know having the dinner party, or whatever. One character would say something that they were supposed to say, and then. And then randomly, very organically, another character would hear that character saying something, not knowing what they were going to say, and then be like, oh, there's a line to what he said, to what what I'm supposed to talk about. So then they would jump in with their thing, like people really having a real conversation, right? And then because now they're talking about that, another person would go, oh, I think maybe that goes to what I'm supposed to say. And so they're all like, kind of ad-libbing slash organically having a real conversation around the table based on who their character is and certain things that they're they're supposed to say in certain scenes, but without the director telling them when and how to say that. And it man, it's just amazing. That that film blew my mind. So check that out.
1: Is this a podcast about that that film or the man from I think Earth it should be
2: I think let's do another one. Let's do a bonus episode about coherence because that movie No, is awesome. I,
1: I gotta say I'm not a film. I'm not a film guy.
2: But that so like
1: that's
0: stressful as an actor.
1: Yeah. <laughs> not right? that I'm
0: an actor, but yeah,
2: no, well, I guess you have, have, either have to be really good at
1: it, right? Have you, either of you taken any acting classes? No classes,
2: no. Good I've God done man. some acting. I've actually been, go, I have an, you know what, if you go at IMDb, you can find my page. I have an IMDb page. I've been in several oh, yeah? short films, yes. I'm not quitting my day,
1: job.
2: I've not yet been discovered, so I'll let you know when I am.
0: Have <laughs> you met?
1: Have I? No, I've been on the local news.
0: Yeah, I've been on camera. But.
1: Well.
2: All right. Well, I, th- I nice thought movie. that was a
1: good. Dis- I thought that was a good discussion. Yeah. So, uh, my film is something that most everyone has watched. You you do not have to watch it again unless you want to. I'm like, no, no, uh, you,
2: you have to. What are you saying? No people have to watch it. That's the. Assignment. I'm assuming
1: that everyone has seen The Fellowship of the Ring 35 times, like I have, so that no. they, they don't.
2: Do you Once. have
0: hatch marks? Like, do you actually count?
1: No, I don't. I can just assume that. Um, So yeah, if you've only watched The Fellowship of the Ring once, please watch it again. That'll be next week's film. And I guarantee, unless you're a Tolkien nerd like I am, this will be a deep dive conversation that you probably don't need to have, but you're going to. (laughs) Uh,
2: And most of that will be Brought to you by Matthew Desipano, while the rest of us sit I, in the I, line and go, mm, no,
1: mm, no, 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 wow. no, no. I, yeah. I want, I want to hear <laughs> the themes that you have picked up on. I don't want to just blab on about Tolkien, as even though I could. That that sounds fascinating, though. can I, I,
0: can I bribe you to maybe? Off cam off off air, give me like a little hint about the themes that you're wanting to. Yeah, yeah,
2: please put some things in the uh workflow
1: there. I will put some notes in I will put some some things in the notes by all means. And I will tell you whatever you want to know. But before we go, we have mentioned it once, I'll mention it again. We have a website, it does have a quiz. It's heretichappyhour.com, but it has more than a quiz. It has our episodes, it has links to shirts and hats and hoodies. And a very lovely uh, assortment of books in our bookstore that features our former heretics of the week. If you head on over to heretichappyhour.com, you can save 15% off retail on those lovely books. Again, heretichappyhour.com.
0: And then come post your books post your quiz results, post all of that. And Heresy After Hours is our free Facebook group, a couple of thousand members of people who are deconstructing, asking really deep questions, sharing lots of resources, sharing jokes. Um, so we want to see what heretic you are. You can find Like-Minded Heretics and Heresy After Hours.
2: That's right. And uh, for all of you who uh so faithfully and carefully and uh, endearingly, and generously don't um, support the Heretic Happy Hour podcast on Patreon. We want to say thank you. Thank you. Thank you so very much. We, we love you with the greatest love. And, um, if you don't support us yet, go over to patreon.com slash Heretic Happy Hour and, uh, give us some love and, uh, unlock all kinds of amazing, cool goodies, including access to our private Heretic Happy Hour Facebook group. Uh, go and do that. Thank you. And please rate and review us. That's please right.
1: Do rate and yes. review on iTunes. Don't wait
2: 14,000
0: years. Please do not. It will be too late by then. Rate and review yes. us now.
2: <laughs> One of these days, I'm going to try that. I'm going to be at a dinner party. I'm going to say, everybody, I got an announcement to make. I'm a 14,000-year-old caveman, and I'm Jesus. Just see how it goes. See what happens.
1: And everyone <laughs> would go, old man Giles. They're
2: like, yeah, we knew that. Come on. Big deal. Pass the potatoes out.